0: This is the Connor Chebnik podcast, episode three. Today, I'm joined by my dad, Brett Chebnik, who is a realtor. He's also owned and operated gyms his whole life, and uh, was the man who helped me play D three football. How's it going today, Dad? Thanks for taking some time to hop on. Absolutely. So, uh, a happy early birthday is due, and you know, I wanted to ask now that you know you're coming up on half a century here soon. What advice would you have for uh, younger generations?
1: I appreciate that you making that known <laughs> as the, the first thing that we talk about. <laughs> it's going to be a great podcast. Really looking forward to that. Uh, I think that the uh, some words of advice uh, would be to create habits that enable you to live the type of life that you want. Realize that it's not a sprint, that it's a marathon, and do little things every day to try and accomplish your goals. So it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a relationship that you're in, whether it's um, trying to stay healthy and fit, or or work, do things every day conducive to having the type of life that you want. Just little yeah. things.
0: I think compounding is really important. You know, if you can get one percent better every day, that's. Compounds very quickly over the course of a year, three hundred sixty-five days, and uh, it's hard to see from day to day. But I think you're right. Over the course of long periods of time, um, it makes a huge difference. What are some things that you do in your life to try and set up positive habits?
1: Um, when I was like, uh, I, when I was in high school, there was a a, a teacher, and he had um, played football at Notre Dame. And then when he turned like 29 or 30, he said he, he had decided he wanted to get fat. And he always made it seem like it was so what cool.
0: He decided he wanted to get fat. He
1: that just, he was just going to let himself go and eat whatever he wanted and uh, and and get fat. He had always been fit and healthy prior to that. And uh, so I had always been like from high school up until about the time I had you. Um, I'd always been fit and healthy. Uh, and then I said, all right, I'm gonna quit working out and I'm just gonna let myself go. And uh, after Grace, which is your uh, oldest sister, I said I needed to eat healthy. And I stopped eating, at the time, meat, wheat, and dairy. And everybody told me, oh, you'll never be able to do that. And I I started eating meat again about three years ago, but. I have never eaten gluten or dairy. Um, and so there's times, uh, to your, your question was what are some of the things that you do the, the best things that I've done over the last 23, 24 years is that for the most part, I'm extremely consistent with my workouts. Even when I'm not in a workout type phase, I'll work out, I'll do some type of activities a couple of times a week. And, um, even when I don't eat what, like, is healthy based on my standards, it's still relatively he- healthy. I mean, like, my biggest vice would be like sweet drinks. So um, the question was, what are <laughs> some of the of things? Yeah, so what are some of the things that you do? Is I try and stay active and I try and eat healthy, and that's enabled me to stay in in relatively good shape for a long period of time. Um. And then uh, I've, the last couple of years, I've gotten uh, really good about uh, goal setting, writing in a journal and uh, referring back to it and trying to keep that in my subconscious so that I'm working forward to, to those type of goals.
0: Being on Bitcoin Twitter, surprisingly enough, has led me down a lot of health rabbit holes, <clears throat> just especially about how seed oils are bad, about how meat's actually one of the most nutritious foods out there. And uh, what was your journey? Because I, I know you didn't eat meat, meat or dairy for a long time. And growing up, you know, I would always joke that uh, no one would trade me anything for tofurkey at lunch because it tasted <laughs> horrible. Um, but all jokes aside, going down that rabbit hole, you see a lot of these vegan products are just filled with like industrial sludge, like vegetable oils and other shit like that. When did you realize that eating meat was good? And as you started to eat more meat, did you just feel better? Or what kind of made you want to? essentially start eating meat again. Because I know
1: you ate I, fish, but not meat. Yeah, I, I ate fish. I, did, I was what would be called a Um I ate fish and eggs, but I didn't eat chicken or, or meat. And I've always been relatively strong. And as I was getting older, it was more and more difficult to maintain my strength. And I listened to a podcast, and a doctor was talking about the benefits of eating meat. And that's when I incorporated it back into my diet. And so now I've kind of evolved where I'm not there yet, but I'm trying to be on an all-meat-and-fruit diet. No vegetables, uh, simply meats and fruit.
0: There's a meme I love, um, and if I find it, I'll splice it into this podcast, but it's essentially people in like a hazmat suit. And it's like, oh, don't worry, it's just a couple dude in hazmat suits spraying the vegetables you're going to eat with a bunch of chemicals, Um and does that have to do with why you don't eat as many more vegetables? I'm kind of leaning towards that, too. Fruit, I think, is better overall. It's just a better form of sugar. It's natural. Um, but you also mentioned to me a while ago how our – because the soil is so turned. No, it works. really doesn't
1: have anything to do with the soil. It has more to do with, like, like the lettuce and kale and spinach. All of those plants have toxins to prevent predators from eating them. But naturally those
0: from being sprayed with pesticides? Nat-
1: naturally, naturally. And so, um, those vegetables that I just mentioned, or or the ones that we eat, just have less toxins than the other ones. Uh, but compounded over time, uh, and there's just so many different studies, and you don't know what's right, what's wrong, but that there's negative imp- uh, uh, There's that it can negatively impact your body. And so, um, a lot of the things that I do um based on on how i filtered how i you know i listened to it um if something makes sense like when i started incorporating meat uh the individual i was listening to was talking about the benefits of it um and it just it made sense to me it resonated and that was what um led me to incorporating meat back into my diet and then i go based on the way that i feel and I will tell you that even though I'm not super strict on this, I'm strict, but not super strict, I feel better than I ever have just eating the fruits and meats. I mean, like, I don't get um, bloated, I don't get gassy, I don't get, um, I, I just, I have more energy, uh, I feel great doing it.
0: No, I completely agree. I've also been eating more meat, uh, and, and I, every time when I, when I eat meat for the most part, I, I always feel really good. Do you try and avoid some types of meat? You know, I was reading something about how pigs a lot of time, if you watch a video too on how vegetable oil is made, the crap that they process out, they put in pig feed and other stuffs. So even if you are eating meats like pigs or sometimes cow that's in a factory, they feed it a lot of uh bad stuff. Do you try and eat a certain type of meat? um, or do you try and avoid certain types of meat? What type of meat do you usually eat?
1: Like if I go to the grocery store. Um, I will try and buy a grass fed or like, or, or get, like the, the cleanest one, like grass fed organic. Um, but if I'm at a, a restaurant, I, I, you know, I, I don't have that luxury. So, and then, you know, like I cook everything at home and ghee, um, G H E E, which is like mm-hmm. butter without lactose. And, uh, I, I quit using oils at home.
0: It's interesting. Obviously, I come at it from the Bitcoin perspective just since I spend a lot of my time looking into it. But it seems like a lot of uh, just on top of more people eating crappier foods, a lot of the food is made in crappier stuff. So, for example, McDonald's used to cook their fries and beef tallow. Now they cook in a vegetable oil. And it seems to me like a big part of that is because these central bankers, governments don't want inflation to seem too high. So they subsidize cheaper crap like corn and vegetable oils, canola oil, all this other stuff. Um, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You have literally scientists coming up with food that is supposed to be even tastier. Um, like literally finding chemicals that make the food as addictive as possible, give it the best flavor, the best crunch, whatever. Then on top of that, it's being made with even worse materials like seed oils and, uh, it just it's it's amazing how hard it is to really eat healthy but when you take the time and dig in um it, it really does seem like in my personal life as well to make such a difference in how you feel your mood throughout the day um i'm still trying to get used to beef heart and beef liver that's <laughs> that is uh an acquired taste for sure but it, it does uh make a huge difference when when you start trying to eat healthier and looking into these things Well, I haven't had McDonald's french fries in about 20 years. (laughs) I can't can't say the same. We're good there. So let me ask, switching it up. Um, For those who don't know, I'm going to be having a kid soon. And throughout, you know, it's actually part of my stand-up bit. I I got my final show this Tuesday. And and part of my joke set is how, you know, you like living a little too vicariously through my sisters and I and and our sporting events. Uh, But one of the things I say is... Yeah, funny. Um, But one of the jokes, you know, like despite my dad living a little too vicariously, being on the sideline yelling, "Pick a spot, pick a spot, Connor," (laughs) you taught me a lot of good lessons. Like, for example, if I'm going to bring a mixie to my high school football game, make sure you put in a big gulp. That it's always better to ask for forgiveness than (laughs) ask for permission, and that I'll never understand what it's like to have a child until I have a child um so obviously uh I'm, I'm very much looking forward to having a kid but it's, it's going to be a big change i'm looking forward to you not being able to say that to me anymore because i'm sure i'll understand uh, but until i have this kid why is that such a life-changing event what do you think happens when you know you, you see that child come into the world
1: so you want to see me cry on this podcast
0: <laughs> yeah we get emotional we get raw it's
1: um When, when when you create life and you see your child for the first time, it's the first time that you truly know what unconditional love is, and that at that point, you would do anything in the world for this other person before before your before your own life. And um, you can't know that until your baby's born. And so, For you guys, like my greatest joy uh, when you're living vicariously is when you guys would tell me what your goals are or what you wanted to accomplish and trying to help you achieve that. And so it was um, the processes that you would go through to try and get there that I got the most enjoyment out of. Seeing like the work and the effort that you put in to achieving a goal and the lessons that you learned from it and then when you had the success the success it just made it even better uh for me uh i tell everybody right like my two greatest uh memories for 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 you guys were uh the girls all playing on the same field together for the first time uh and lacrosse and it was Chetnik to Chetnik to Chetnik goal because we had not had that experience of all all three of your sisters playing any sport together. Uh, This is when Sophia would get bumped up to varsity uh, and lacrosse. And then um, your junior year, um, you had two other guys uh, in your weight class, in the 220 weight class, that were uh, multiple time state, uh, uh, state finalists uh, you had the toughest district in the 220 weight class in the state of Florida, and uh, your goal was to uh, win districts. And um, the training and the dedication you had was like, you, you didn't take any shortcuts. You worked so hard. And then you wanted to go to a party on uh, on a <laughs> Friday night, and uh, you had practice the next morning, and... I had a conversation with you. I was like, it's, this is, at least this is how I remember it. Uh, it's up to you, what you do, but you're never going to remember, uh, uh, that party, but you'll forever remember, uh, how you did at districts. And that was the year, uh, that your, your first coach had taken his life, uh, uh, during the season. And, um, you won. Uh, you won in overtime, uh, and then you came. You came and uh, you grabbed me. Uh, yeah, I remember. And you, you, you whispered, "You were right."
0: That was for Brad. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a moment. You know, it's so funny. I look back on high school and I remember I, I did like sometimes despise wrestling practices, but then I, you know, I look back what I'm most proud of um, and it was those matches, those friendships I formed, those relationships made. Um, and those memories are something I, I'll never forget. And I think that's such a good metaphor for life. The, the things that you really love and look back on and appreciate are the, the challenging things, the hard things, the things that, uh, you, may, you have a low time preference on, right? That you decide to uh, work really hard and fight through. Um, you know, I took a bunch of philosophy classes when I was in college. And, and one of my takeaways to tie this back to having a child was that every action ever taken was always in our own self-interest. And, that, and I didn't think that didn't mean they were good and evil acts. But like, for example, when I give someone a gift, I'm only giving that gift because I, I thought that it's gonna make me feel good, you know, seeing, for example, if I give you a gift and you smile it makes it makes me feel good seeing that. Um, and, and it, as far as I can tell, I haven't had the kid yet, obviously, but it seems like it you, you that's truly a selfless thing. It's not you're not having this kid. I mean, yes, it does make you feel good, but it, it's kind of the first time that I, that I I was asked like, well, what's a selfless action and well, what's an action you don't take? and, and I guess you could argue it. It is to in your legacy, but uh, it seems like your mindset changes and you truly become selfless and you just would do anything to see that, uh, see that kid succeed. Um, I, I think it's different for,
1: because um, I don't think all parents are that way, but, you know, the way, uh, you know, my parents love me and like to this day, I feel like either of them would jump in front of a, of a bus to make me feel. Uh, to, to make my life better and uh, hopefully you and your siblings felt the same way in regards to the way I loved and and raised you. Uh, you were talking earlier about, uh, it, it, and I don't know about you, I think the politically correct answer when someone says, you know, do you want a boy or a girl? I think the politically correct answer is oh, I just want to have a healthy baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's so,
0: what I've been saying.
1: Yeah. And so, but I think deep down, uh, at least like you remember, uh, or at least I remember like I, I, I'm i excited that you're excited to have a baby either way, but you do sort of have a preference. And I was talking to, with your grandmother about this uh, a couple of days ago. When you're a grandparent, all you truly want is to have a, a healthy baby for your child because if you're, if the baby is not healthy, that just creates stress for you, uh, uh, and Paige, and uh, it, it's different. Like you, you truly have, like I truly have, no preference. It's all about. I just want this, the pregnancy to go smoothly. I want Paige to be healthy, uh, and I, I, I want a healthy baby, so that you don't have to deal with the stress of of you know uh health complications or risk because that's so incredibly stressful and i I, and i can't make that better for you so uh um i truly just want a healthy baby for you
0: yeah i do too it's interesting too to think of the difference between uh men and women and how they feel about it you know deep down i just i know this baby's going to be healthy healthy I just, I got a good feeling about it. Um, but you know, the other day Paige and, I, and I'm sure it's just being pregnant and her body's changing so rapidly, she was kind of having an issue with her lung. Um, and then it was just a morning thing. You know, we drove down to Jersey and you know, on the car actually she felt better. Um, but we called up a, a nurse and the nurse was like, you got to get to an emergency room now. Um, you know, it's kind of like just responded in a very emotional way and it kind of stressed paged out. It stressed paged out, it stressed page out and seeing, uh, I, I just think men and women are very different in the way they care for it and i was like page just because from my personal experience i can be a little skeptical of the modern healthcare system i think it's modern medicine is great in some ways but i think in other ways fiscal interests can get in the way of really treating and helping people if you look at the food in the hospital it's not healthy food it's all filled with seed oils um Again, I think modern medicine has done some incredible things, but I think there's also a vicious dark side to it in seeing the way that nurse responded and it stress paged out more. Luckily, it turned out to be a nothing burger. She's fine. She feels great now. But seeing in, in that moment, um, I don't know if you can speak to that with mom and the way it was, but I think women just really fret and stress and worry more about the child. Like I said, deep down, I just, I have such a good feeling about it. I know the baby's going to be healthy. I know everything's going to be all right on wood obviously, um but it is interesting to think through the difference between men and women, and I think, obviously, for biological reasons, women um, can stress more about it and really worry about the child. Not that men don't, but.
1: Yeah. I think you're going down a slippery slope with this one, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's
0: just a, fuck it. Let the baby be.
1: The... When you were born, uh, if a pacifier hit the ground, when I tell you your mom and I would freak out, we would go and we would um like boil water, like this thing would have to be so perfectly sanitized, like and you would have thought that like the world was coming to an end. And then by the time your sister your Sophia, the youngest one, uh, was here, if a if a pacifier hit, hit the ground, at some point we would pick it up if we wiped it off on our pants or our, our napkin or whatever <laughs> otherwise we just stick it back in our mouth uh and you do realize like um when it comes to like you know we've humans have been around for a long long time and we're very resilient and we're very tough and uh there's a lot of things out there that they try and scare you and and want you to go to the doctors, uh, um, we're meant to survive. That's the way we're designed. Uh, And so I agree with you. I think that um, we're way too quick to give medicines. And we're way too quick to give to like, I think there's a system designed to try and get you hooked on, on the medical system. I think they there's a lot of benefits, they but, but
0: healthy per se. They want you in that sweet spot. So you got to come back. I Maybe mean, that's why Sophia played D1. She got a much better immune system from. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I was just going to say it, it is interesting. Like, obviously you want everyone to be safe, happy, and healthy, but uh, I'm with you. I think in the system, there's only so much you can uh, do. Like life is dangerous. Life is inherently risky. Life is a struggle and our bodies are very powerful things. And we've eaten meat for thousands upon thousands of years and seeing, like, obviously we, we, we need to like, combat climate change, but it's so wild to me that people are talking about how cow farts and the methane they emit is what's going to cause the oceans to melt. It's like, you know, cows fertilize the grass. Like, there's so many... um,
1: Going back to the medical, and uh, if you look at what, what parents feed kids, I mean, like, I know you and your sister used to joke about, like, The difference between the food I had at my house and the difference the food at at mom's house, Um, but it's like you know for, and it's like I don't I don't understand why people don't you know think about this stuff. But if you go and you eat McDonald's and then you eat a Twinkie, you're not feeling good. Like if you're stuffing putting crud into your body, you're not going to feel good. So if you're constantly feeding kids processed food, foods high in sugar there's there's a, there's a causal effect that occurs from doing that. And so I think the healthier and the cleaner that you feed your child, the less apt they are to be, to have to deal with some of the stuff that happens that re- ends up requiring medication.
0: Um, yeah, well, it goes back to that ancestral knowledge, right? Like humans have been around for a long time. We've fought through diseases, sicknesses, you know, or we have an immune system for a reason. We ate meat for so long and a lot of people are really healthy on that. And I, I think a lot of it is just ignorance. Like a lot of people just don't take the, I mean, it's, it's hard in today's world to take the time to look into it, to figure out what's healthy, to take the t- I mean, it's difficult either way, right? If you become obese and you eat like shit, you're going to feel bad. That's difficult, but you don't have to go through the difficultness of eating healthy, taking the time to prepare a meal cooking planning out you know your meals for the week um i like i'm
1: not a big i'm not a believer in sunblock and a lot of people are like oh you're crazy skin cancer well a lot of skin cancers are, are caused based on the reaction of the seed oils that are going into our body and how how we respond to that like if you eat a healthy diet um yeah why would putting a chemical on your like repeatedly i mean there, there's got to be some impact to that. Uh, you know, like
0: you read an article that was talking about how um, we're supposed to have an omega-3 balance to an omega six balance of one to one. And the average Western diet is fifteen to one, omega six to omega three, because the seed oils are full of pufas, polyunsaturated fatty acids that wreak havoc on <laughs> the mitochondria in our cell. So make it makes it harder to produce energy and you get much more sunburnt, like you're saying. And to think that you can just put a chemical over your skin is not uh is not the answer either. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just bake in the sun all day. But like to your point, if you're eating healthy, sunscreen is not. Um, I think honestly, it probably does more harm than damage. And unless- like,
1: I, I don't, I don't recall, the, but I did read something a while back about like the Native Americans. They didn't have skin cancer, like you know, and these are this was a, a society that lived in the sun hundreds of years, you know, uh, living off the land. And so um, I I just, I I think that based on the stuff that we put into our body and then a lot of that impacts, you know, how our body reacts to different stimuli. One of them being uh, the sun outside.
0: Yeah. I want to preface this by saying that I think modern technology has done a lot of good for the world. But if you think about it too, think about how the Native Americans when when they killed an animal they probably used every single part of that animal they did they they really they, appreciated. Not probably they did yeah like when they consumed that they, they really appreciated um that animal what it took to kill it they understood the effort that went into making a meal using everything to make skins whatever and I, I think in you know to your point you said a lot of parents feed their kids crap I think it's just because we've gotten so far away from where our food comes from. We don't even think about it. We don't realize, and I heard someone say on a podcast the other day, how uh, we live in this world where we are a click away with with our phones from entertainment, music, whatever. And back in the day, um, if you wanted to watch a play like a Shakespeare play, you had to learn how to act it out and do it. If you wanted to listen to a piece of music before technology made it super simple to consume it, you had to learn the chords yourself. So you, you developed a much greater appreciation for these things when, if you wanted to end up consuming them, you had to really do a well, lot of extra effort.
1: It's like phone numbers. I mean, like there was no speed dial back in the day. I mean, you literally memorize hundreds of people's phone numbers. Like that was yeah. the only way to call them.
0: No, think about most kids nowadays. Like if they lose their phone, they don't like, I know yours and mom's number. Cause obviously growing up, I. I didn't have speed dial. I had to know that if I was at a friend's house to call you guys. But you're right, landlines are going away. It's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask. How do you think the world will change by 2030? Because it seems like you know, there was industrial revolution, or I guess there was the agricultural revolution first, and then the industrial revolution changed all that. And now we're entering this information technology age where I can converse with you wherever you are um, over the internet, over broadband. And I think the world's going to change in ways we can't even imagine. But what are some of your uh, guesses?
1: I don't know if in 2030, but at some point, I think that like phones will actually go away and there will be something implanted inside of you that enables you to talk with people and communicate. And I think that's how we'll continue to evolve. Like, I think the next next stage will be tracking devices, devices that we have put into our body that uh, enable us to like, instead of like checking out, like where you just in your form, instead of having like a wallet or carrying cash, I think uh, things will just become more and more, um, what's the word? Uh, Yeah, well, like put into a cloud uh, and stored there instead of having, you know, tangible things like a credit card uh well
0: yeah well part of that is exciting another part of that terrifies me because you've seen the surveillance state that constantly grows you know apple google all these big companies they have they have our lives on our phone i mean all of us if i if i were to lose my phone that obviously i get another phone but like that is my life nowadays you you think apple pay like maybe it's not a chip in me yet but essentially I, i can just tap my phone and pay for stuff i mean it's changing so fast cash Like, I don't know if my child's ever going to get to deal and experience cash and coins. Um, And and it's one thing. (laughs) It'll
1: only be Bitcoin.
0: I I hope so. I I mean, seriously, if, if, if we were to get a central bank digital currency and we see a future where, like you said, we have just a chip inside of us. And obviously, I think that would make life a lot better in some ways. But. It's also kind of nerve-wracking because when you hook something up to internet, it can be hacked. When it's on TCP/IP, you know it's like a hot wallet on your phone. If someone gains control of your phone, they hack into your phone, they have access to your Bitcoin. That's why a lot of Bitcoiners say cold storage. Get it off an exchange, obviously, is the first step, but then putting it in cold storage so they can't hack it. And if we have a central bank digital currency, if we give that control to the Federal Reserve, who past two years has shown us they are willing to print trillions of dollars, devalue everyone else's money in order to inflate assets do whatever they're trying to do I think it's a very scary world where we could see you know you saw what happened with the truckers in Canada and they got their bank accounts frozen and if we had a central bank digital currency I mean it would be as easy as a click of a button to uh turn off that money but it also gives me hope because I think a lot of people are waking up and yes the spot price of Bitcoin is down a lot but the network just grows stronger and stronger and stronger keeps adding blocks every 10 minutes you see energy companies and Bitcoin miners integrating because imagine if you had a buyer 24 7 365 for that energy you know the grid is there are peak hours there are times when that energy is more demanded but it's not like you can just shut down the the plant that generates that power so if you could spin up Bitcoin miners when there was less demand from the grid you could essentially always monetize that energy we're seeing less developed nations get into it. Um, it it gives me a lot of hope for a world where like you said i don't think my kids ever going to experience cash it's probably never going to count quarters one uh, because the federal reserve uh, devalue our I, currency but it's i just do think that
1: there's technology. a uh, there's certain communities that are developing a, a level of consciousness and i i, I would expect that at some point there are communities which shun certain type of technologies that become self-contained in regards to living a a certain lifestyle just like how you talked about potentially moving out of a big city to to somewhere where you were maybe not totally off the grid but a a lot more off the grid uh and i think that you will see these type of of communities come up uh, because um, people want a more, uh, you know, traditional type lifestyle. They want to avoid some of this stuff that is potentially coming that could be uh, more controlling from, you know. Um,
0: Governments imposing top-down it, controls on what you can it, and can't can do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I, but I mean, decision.
0: just I'm just talking like even
1: like fast food where, the foods that will be harvested or you know like are healthy that that, uh um, and I don't know what this the study is but uh like even like the seeds that are out there uh, nowadays are are like being uh
0: genetically yeah, modified
1: yeah so we'll see
0: yeah, I think there's a lot, too. We're going to find out about, like, there's, there's just these studies haven't been done. Like, I know they're genetically modifying food to make it bigger, better to grow oh, in. Organisms.
1: It's crazy. If you look at what a head of lettuce was looked like in the 1940s compared to a head of lettuce today, it's like night and day.
0: You're like the one who told were, me it's like 45 times less nutritious nowadays than it yeah. was back in the day, right? And it's yeah. probably because it's genetically modified. And then this high time preference, I think it has a lot to do with fiat money this high time preference society where they just burn and turn the soil and they don't, they don't let cows roam and get vital nutrients in the soil. Well, like when you, when you go
1: to the grocery store and you buy vegetables or fruit, it's based on the weight. It's not based on like, Hey, one apple costs a dollar. It's based on how much does that apple weigh? So the bigger that food is, the more they can charge.
0: Yeah, very true. So. It's a, uh, wild times. What would you say, uh, what content have you been consuming the most? Is it social media, podcasts, TV, books, something else? Um, I guess probably the internet. Uh, well, what is I have I mean, social media, you listen to podcasts, you're watching YouTube videos.
1: Um, no, just more, more reading, different articles based on whatever, I'm kind of, whatever topic I'm, I'm dialed in at that moment. Uh, just, I, I haven't, I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. Um, if any, I, I, I don't watch that much TV. Uh, I really watch that. I'll watch, uh, movies. Um, um. But I, I'm I'm launching a elementary lacrosse league, and have been focusing on on creating. Uh, I want to I want to revolutionize how um,
0: sports are offered for
1: uh, elementary age school kids. So.
0: One of the questions I had for you, because you've been around fitness your whole life, you've owned and operated gyms, you've raised my sisters and I, is why do you think fitness, especially sports, are so good at helping people to get into the flow state, which is something that seems like it's becoming harder and harder in this TCP IP internet connected age, when we're all spending a lot of our time in cyberspace, if you will. So what
1: was your question, bud?
0: Why do you think sports and fitness are so good at helping people get into the flow state? And I mean, follow up question, because you mentioned your lacrosse thing is, are you trying to help these kids just have more fun with it? Or what? what is kind of your idea for this lacrosse league you're putting together?
1: I, I think anybody, um, when they're healthy, uh, feels better about themselves mentally and physically. So. Agreed uh and then for uh for you guys like i've always it's gone back to what are the things that like you're most passionate about like when you were in high school and elementary school um you Stella and Sophia always were passionate about sports um Grace was passionate about art so for for Grace you know i turned one of the rooms into a studio tried doing all of the same things that I did for you guys with sports, with with art, but that was what she was passionate about. That's what she wanted to do. So uh, from my perspective, as long as you're doing some type of activity that you're passionate about, it really doesn't matter uh, what you wanna do. Uh, When you were uh, at Tufts and uh, you uh, were studying uh, film, you know, like I wanted to see you write. I wanted to see you be part of groups. I wanted to see you like produce, uh, cause those were the things that I thought were essential for you to, you know, that were in line with what you wanted at that, at that point in time. So, uh, the things that I like about sports, especially is that, um, it's the structure, uh, um, that comes from it in regards to, there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons that you learn from playing sports. There's a lot of lessons that you learn anytime you have a goal, like for, for grace, there's a lot of lessons that, that you learn from consistently doing something over and over and over again, working towards your, towards your dreams. Like, um, I'm I'm all over the place, but like an art that's such, so subjective. So, you have to learn to have thick skin to be able to take the criticism that comes with, and the negativity that comes from putting something out there. Uh, and I think that that's good. I think it's good to ha- have thick skin. For sports, what I liked about it, especially like at the college level, was that it helps you get into schools that you might not otherwise get into. You go there and you are a, have an immediate friend group that relatively shares the same values and characteristics that you have that have enabled that person to get there. There's a structure in regards to your studies and stuff like that. Um, the networking opportunities that come from uh, playing a sport and the relationships, I think that those are extremely beneficial uh, in the long term. So, um, and then it, anytime you do anything active, like it's scientifically proven, like, if you go out and you walk uh, like it naturally makes you feel better so it's like I think you know that's a you know another thing that i I, I like I think it, it's tough out there it's really tough i, I think there are a lot of people deal with a lot of psychological stuff and then to be able to have an outlet to make yourself feel better I think it's yeah. very healthy
0: there's two things you said that I really resonated with me and the first one is that the way you feel about yourself is kind of what you put out in the world. You know, there's, I think a big problem in this country and it's hard out there and everyone's different, but one of the best ways to have a positive impact on the world is to look inwards, to learn, to love yourself, to be happy with your life. And in order to do that, you need to exercise, you need to eat healthy. You need to do all these difficult things. I think a lot of people spend including myself sometimes spend too much time online and then you get frustrated you get mad and, and shouting online is not going to help anyone um, so looking inwards learning to love yourself I think is really honestly the best way to make a positive difference in the world figure out what you're passionate about and then go all in on that and then also like you said it's it's hard to put yourself out there. You know, I wrote that article for Bitcoin magazine um, and I got a shout out from safe Adina Moose, who's the author of the Bitcoin standard. And like that felt so good. Um, but then it got posted on zero hedge too. And I was reading the comments and I see why Joe Rogan always says, don't read the comments. Cause some of them, um, obviously it's like, that, that, that one hurt. <laughs> and I don't even remember exactly what comment it was, but to your point, like, Not everyone's going to resonate with you say there will always be critics. There will always be people um, who disagree, especially with something as subjective as writing, podcasting, art. It's uh, it it takes a lot to put yourself out there. You, You have to learn to be comfortable with the naysayers. And I think the more you do it, the more confident you get, the more you realize, I don't know what that person went through to come to this conclusion but if if you love yourself, if you're happy with yourself because you exercise, you do all those activities that help you achieve that. It uh, it's it's a lot easier to put yourself out there. You're you just, in a, you know, it, it it compounds over time, like you are saying. You set up those habits; it just gets easier and easier, and you get better and better at whatever your art is.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So this is the last thing we can end on, because. Um, you know, it wouldn't be uh, the Connor Chepnick podcast if I didn't bring it back to Bitcoin. <laughs> um, but outside of me constantly talking about it, which I, I know I've been doing for a long time, what got you interested in? What made you want to invest money in Bitcoin?
1: It was just you. It was your passion. <laughs> <for it. laughs>
0: there is nothing else. Have you read the Bitcoin standard yet?
1: No, I have not. Uh, it but it, it, for it, me. it was you and your passion for it how much you believe in it and seeing how excited you are, uh,
0: uh, uh, with Bitcoin, listen, what do you think? What is money outside of the obvious like unit of account medium of exchange store value? What would you say money is?
1: Like in what context
0: in general? Is it just a tool? Is it, uh, is it cash to you? Is, is, you know, how do you? Is, uh, it, I, I think, think it's just so a
1: tool important. for exchange that uh, um, puts a certain value on whatever product or service you're, you're 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 buying.
0: Yes, at that point, I think one thing that, and I'm still I have a lot to learn, especially when it comes to traditional finance. But the one thing that really irks me is that central banks around the world do not face an opportunity cost to create more dollars, especially our specifically, um, that they, they can create more dollars out of thin air and put it in the system as debt. So, you know, if you take out a mortgage or if I take out a mortgage, it's not that the bank is giving us their capital or they're, their, um, you know, they're essentially putting new dollars into the system. And I think because they don't face an opportunity cost, it distorts money for a lot of other people in you know, touching this in some of my writing, but it's very hard to tie these second and third order consequences that come in society when someone debases the currency. But I think because our bank doesn't, or our Federal Reserve, our central bank in the United States doesn't face an opportunity cost for creating that money out of thin air, it distorts price signals, it distorts people's time preferences, it motivates bad actors in some way, because in this current system it's almost like you want to be in debt because over time your money is going to be devalued so as you pay back that debt it's not worth as much and obviously there is interest rate so depending on how good your credit is it might not be you know like you don't want to be in credit card debt per se but if you can get a very low interest rate mortgage it becomes easier over time to pay back that money since the dollar devalues and to have a system that is essentially backed completely by energy you know miners in the bitcoin network are competing to solve the puzzle to add a block and if they do they get rewarded bitcoin and they're expending massive amounts of energy power to mine the bitcoin so while the spot price is obviously what most people look at it's what incentivizes most people to get into the network hey i want to make money if i buy this my value will Accrue over time. So, yes, the USD spot price, and I mean, any spot price is important to the network. But the fact that Satoshi didn't tie it to fiat in any way, I mean, it's a totally separate system where, you know, anyone who has Bitcoin has faced an opportunity cost for acquiring the Bitcoin, unlike our current system of central banks, which I think most people don't even think a lot about because. They, you know, I learned about it in economics in high school, but it, they didn't describe it. Where, where are you stuff.
1: going with all this?
0: I guess I'm just ranting. <laughs> what, why, why, I personally think it's a better system, and it, I guess it also kind of ties into the health thing. You know, you said a lot of parents feed their kids shit, and I think it's just because they don't appreciate or understand where their food comes from. And, and I think it's the same with our money. I don't think a lot of people take the time to think through why did credit cards develop, why do we have certain, you know things like uh, it, it's just a technology it's a better thing and i think bitcoin is also just a technology that could help society reach a world of abundance i think the only reason we don't have a more world of abundance is because of central banks in, in my opinion
1: um to sort of do it like a 180 um in regards to to your child coming what are you most excited about uh in regards to the birth of, uh, of your first and um what, what are you some of the things that you that you that you're afraid of for, for your child
0: definitely raising a bitcoin maximalist uh <laughs> that, that, that's one of them um
1: this child this will know a... more about bitcoin than any other child at kindergarten we'll be, we'll be lecturing <laughs> others doing trading hey i've got four twinkies but i'm gonna need seven satoshis
0: well i know i'm not giving my kid tofurkey because that is the worst store of value in terms of barter um you know i'm excited to have a kid i, I think like you said it might not be the most politically correct thing to say like whether it's a boy or a girl i'm gonna love it regardless of what it is but I, I think paige wants a girl naturally being a female and i i would like a boy naturally being a male obviously i just want to help
1: i'm a male i i would prefer i i'd like to see have a i'd like to have a granddaughter first
0: whatever it is i just want it to be happy and healthy but I, i'm really excited and she, to uh, and
1: I, i'm excited to start the her training program we're going to give her <laughs> six months to get like
0: get going what do you want to be called again Paige keeps dying at saba is that <laughs> for grandfather what is it sabah i think it's Saba. <laughs> That sounds like a Japanese soda. (laughs) Soba, soba.
1: Reminds me of the the story where it was like you and had like nine or ten kids with me and we were getting sushi.
0: And uh,
1: the lady uh, comes and says, who wants some Japanese soda? (laughs) All of you guys like raise your hand. And they're like, dad, can they? And I was like, all right. And then I get a bill for $44. Each one of the sodas was four bucks.
0: <laughs> God bless. It was like, this was back in uh, what, like 2010 before they had devalued the dollar. So that's like $100 <laughs> in today's. It was, it
1: was a lot. In, it was a lot in Japanese soda money.
0: No, I think what I'm most excited about for having a kid is just being able to raise this thing, help it learn, try and raise a baby. Paige keeps like rolling her eyes every time I say this. But honestly, trying to raise a baby that thinks critically that appreciates where its food comes from, that thinks through some of these things rather than uh, just consumes. You know, one thing Uncle Brett said to me, um, your sister's husband, that really resonated with me. He's like, I think it's great. You're reading all these books, learning about Bitcoin, listening to these podcasts. But if you don't do anything with it, what what good is it you have to create? You have to actually put stuff out there. It does no good to just consume all the time. So obviously I I don't want to, imposed my top-down will on the kid. Um, I'm sure every time you discipline him, like I want to encourage him in the same way you did with my sisters and I, to just follow his passion or her passion, whatever that might be, um, but to also teach him. And I think kids, and you know, I always joke that becoming an adult is just realizing your parents are people also trying to figure it out. And I, I think kids take such a keen interest in what their parents are interested in. And learning alongside my child, And also when, you you know, their brain is so uh, plastic or uh, what's the word? Um, Malleable. Yeah, it's so malleable. It's so easy. So there's so many different ways it could go. That's why it's easier for kids to learn a language. And, you know, I've been trying to learn a little more about software engineering, obviously, for my job. Don't don't try and teach them Spanish. (laughs) Por qué? Hablo español (laughs) un poco. (laughs) but no, just learning alongside them and uh, not imposing my top down will, but also helping them go after what they're passionate about and uh, not being overbearing, but at the same time, I'm, I'm sure it's a fine line, as you know, like, cause there are times when I just wanted to quit. And you always did a good job with the guilt trip in about making sure I'd go to the party. But in hindsight too, it was, uh, that's what helped me win districts that year. And, led to some really special moments and some hilarious stories. And while, I, while wrestling was a grind, it was one of the best things I ever did. Some of the longest lasting relationships I ever made, It just kind of ties back in what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's going through the hard stuff that makes life meaningful, that makes it notable, that makes it good. Um, so thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Dad. If for anyone who wants to find you on the Internet, is there anywhere you want to send people?
1: Um, little Lack like Stars. Uh, launches uh January 18th the day after your birthday
0: nice on 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 the internet yeah
1: the, the site goes live that day
0: nice that's very exciting anywhere else I'm no, not that's, sure that's... You're, not, you're not on Twitter you're <laughs> not in the Bitcoin maxi space no no <laughs> well do me a favor read the bitcoin standard because that's awesome uh to anyone tuning in thank you for taking some time to listen to the Connor Chapman podcast today